Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, preach from God's Word. I want to just uh, begin by saying thank you as a church. Thank you for your involvement in missions and for your partnership in missions. Thank you for praying for missions and that the gospel would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Thank you for going and being personally involved both in Bloomfield and in places like Malaysia and Poland. And also thank you for giving to missions. Uh, as you give to missions through the cooperative program, it enables people like Jeff and Melba to serve as Brother Nick shared, and I appreciate that very much. So thank you. And it also enables a state missionary like myself to serve as a regional consultant in Kentucky. So thank you. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 25, and let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Matthew 25. This is our focus today. We're going to focus on the subject, living with the end in mind. Living with the end in mind. And I'd like to give you a little bit of the context of what we're going to read in Matthew 25. Uh, over in Matthew 24, Jesus was asked a question by His disciples. And this was the question. It's in uh, the latter part of chapter 24, verse 3. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So that was the question that started uh, Jesus sharing what He did in Matthew 24. And also, what we read here in Matthew 25, we're going to read one parable. Uh, it's one of three in Matthew 25, but just realize that this parable uh, was given to address that question. When's this going to occur? And uh, what can we expect? And so what happened uh, as Jesus answered that question was He talked a lot more about how we are to live in light of that time, the end, than He did to give us information about when it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, He said no man knows the hour. So he was basically saying to us, don't concern yourself so much about specific dates. Just live prepared. Live ready. Live expectantly. And so in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, we read this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went on his way. He had received the five talents, went at once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, 
Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we give you thanks that we're able to gather here to worship you. We, we declare again today that you are worthy of our worship. You are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, it's, it's a joy to be able to sing praises to you. It's a joy to be able to put into song uh, what you mean to us and to celebrate what You have done for us in Christ. Thank You. Lord, thank You for this church. Thank You for a church that has a heart for missions, not only in the community, but to the world. Thank You for Pastor Richard and his team. and Thank You, Lord, for their good work in Malaysia these past few days. And our prayer is that You will continue to bless their efforts, that even after they have gone from Malaysia, that you'll take what was said and taught and that you'll take what was done in the name of Jesus and that you will continue to use these things to have great impact in Malaysia. We thank you, Lord, for Jeff and Melva Clark. We pray blessings on Jeff today as he preaches in revival. and We pray blessings upon them not only there but in other places in the state this year as they are able to share about their work and challenge others to be involved in missions. Thank You, Lord, for this congregation and the fact that they have a home where missionaries like Jeff and Melba can come and stay and, uh, on their stateside assignment. We're grateful, Lord, for, for that. Lord, just thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You've not left us in the dark about uh, Your coming and what to expect. Thank You that You teach us and equip us how to live our lives with the end in mind. And my prayer is that you'll take this passage and teach us and help us to understand it through your Holy Spirit. Give us a better grasp of what's being said here. And we pray, Father, that through the Holy Spirit you would help us to live out the truth of this passage so that our lives will be different. That's our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. 
I have learned an important lesson in life, and that lesson is simply this, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. This principle can be applied in various areas of our life. For example, if you have children and your desire as a parent is that your children will grow up to love the Lord and serve the Lord. That's the end that you have in mind. You have to parent in the present in order to disciple your children, teaching them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so that in the end, when they grow up, they will indeed love the Lord and serve Him. This can be also applied in various ministries in the life of the church. Take, for example, a Sunday school class. A Sunday school class that has this end in mind. In, in two years, we want to see our Sunday school class reach 30% more people than we're now having on, in average attendance in our class. Also, we hope to see at least one new class, one new Bible study class birthed out of this class in two years. And let's just say that's your end. To grow by 30% at the same time you're sending out a team and birthing a new class. If that's the end that you have in mind, then you have to build in some things in the here and now. And one of the things that you would build in is equipping someone in your class to be your apprentice. And, uh, building in this, uh, in your DNA of your class, we're not just here to gather people and celebrate that we've got a good fellowship, but we're going to birth new classes and we're going to see other new classes birth to reach other new people. What you want in the end, you have to build in in the here and now. Jesus taught that principle in this passage of Scripture. And as we think about the end when Jesus will return, and when we think about the fact that we will stand before the Lord one day, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I think if I did, I think every one of us would raise our hands. But how many of you would, would hope that when you stand before the Lord someday, that you would hear these words from the Lord as He spoke it over your life? Well done good and faithful servant. I would dare say that every one of us in the room would like to be able to stand before the Lord and hear Him speak those words over our life. Not just for the sake of our own selfish ends that He would say that about us, but that we would have lived our life here on earth to the point that our life made a difference for the Lord. That our life counted for the kingdom and that our life counted for the gospel and because our life counted the Lord would say to us and because our life glorified the Lord the Lord would say to us well done good and faithful servant if we want that end then what do we need to do what do we need to build in in the here and now this passage this parable gives us at least three things that help us to live in the here and now so that indeed we'll hear those words when we stand before the Lord. First thing is this. In the here and now, we need to recognize the inevitable. And here's the inevitable. 
I will give an account of my life to God. Let's say that statement together. I will give an account of my life to God. This passage is about a a master. And the master in this story calls his servants. He calls three of them forward. And as he calls these three servants forward, he gives them, he entrusts to them different amounts of money. The word talent here is not just ability, as we often think of it in our culture, but the word talent here means an amount of money. And it's believed that what he gave each of these servants was uh, one talent that was believed to be around $2,000. So he gives one of these servants five talents. He gives one of these servants two talents. He gives one of these servants one talent. And then he goes on a journey. And he's gone for a lengthy period of time. But what we need to realize is in verse number 19 it says this. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and they settled accounts with him. In the story, there was a day of accounting. There was a day of of reckoning. There was a day of reporting on how responsible they were with what they had been given. This story... it, It depicts the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus in this story is the Master. And in this story, as we look at this, this parable, we are to see ourselves in these servants. And I like to think that when we look at a parable like this, it serves as a mirror. And in this mirror, the mirror of God's Word, we're able to see ourselves. And as we look at these three different servants, we realize two of them received a commendation from the Master. One of them received a condemnation from the Master. As we look into the mirror of this parable, we're to ask ourselves this question. Of these three servants, which of these three does my life most resemble now? The truth that we see here though is this. That we all will give an account of our life unto the Lord. Hebrews 9.27 says this, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Romans 14 verses 10 and following say this, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself unto God. Because we will all give an account of our lives unto God, how we live in the here and now matters. And yet there are some people that, 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 that's, that believe this. You know what? All that matters is that I can say of my own life, I'm saved. All that matters is that I can say, I'm going to heaven. And if I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, then does it really matter how I live my life in the here and now? Does it really matter how I fulfill my part of the body of Christ, which is His church? After all, 
isn't it true that all that matters is that I'm saved and that I'm going to heaven? Nothing could be farther from the truth. It does matter that you're saved. It does matter that you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. It does matter that you, that you make a declaration and a commitment to follow Him with your life. But it also matters how you live your life after you're saved. It also matters how we live our lives in the here and now. Why? Because we will all give an account of our lives unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 speaks about uh, those of us who are believers, how we'll stand before the Lord at the, uh, at the beam of judgment. Revelation chapter 20 talks about those who are unbelievers that will stand before the Lord in what's known as the great white throne judgment. And those who have not received Christ, those who have not placed faith in Christ, will be declared not written in the book of life. It matters how we live in the here and now. Second thing we note from this text is this. If we're to live with the end in mind, we need to live as a servant of Jesus. And here's the truth that we need to constantly remember. It's not about me being served. It's about me serving Jesus. Let's say that together. It is not about me being served. It is about serving Jesus. You'll note that the parable talks about servants. And in doing so, Jesus gives us a good indication of what our relationship with Him should look like. It is the relationship of a servant who has declared his or her allegiance to be obedient to the Master. And of course, the Master is the Lord Jesus. And in this, in this parable, we're reminded that the greatest way to describe our identity as believers is to describe ourselves as a servant. Now, when we introduce ourselves, I want you to think about the times that you've introduced yourself recently. When you introduce yourself to someone, what do you say about yourself? My name is Alan Witham, and I'm... What do you, how, do you, how do you complete that sentence when you share your own name and then you complete the sentence describing yourself? Sometimes... You, you, you see yourself as I'm the father of or I'm the mother of. Sometimes it's I, I work at or I serve as a. And a lot of times we, we have our identity wrapped up in what we do. And Jesus reminds us here that our identity is best described in who we are and who we are before Christ. We are servants of the King. The early writers of the New Testament got this. And when they would write what we know today as Scripture, when they would often write letters to churches and, and, and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to do so, they had an interesting way of beginning their letters and these letters all had something in common. Uh, Paul wrote to the believers in Rome and in Romans 1.1 he said this, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, when writing to 
the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.1 said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. James, in James 1.1 said this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Peter in 2 Peter 1.1 wrote, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jude wrote in Jude 1.1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God and God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. These men realized that the greatest description of their identity was servant of Jesus Christ. As we look at the parable, we realize this. A servant realizes this truth. I own nothing, but I manage everything that my Master has entrusted to me. And when we begin to get that same truth, that I'm a servant, and as a servant, I own nothing. But a lot of things have been entrusted to me to manage faithfully and to manage well. Look at at that picture. Think about that picture for a few moments. It says the Master entrusted to them His property. Now here's the picture. It's the picture of a Master literally taking the talents, taking these amounts of money, and literally handing them into the hands of His servant. To give over. The the term here is to give over. It's also used sometimes to to deny. To give over and walk away from, but to give over with the purpose of you managing what I'm entrusting to you well. Servants realize this truth. I own nothing, but I've been entrusted with a great deal. And because I've been entrusted with the Master's property, and that's what the verse says, It was the master's property that was entrusted. Because two of these servants grasped that, it affected what they did with what they were given. Two of these servants realized this truth. What I've been given, it's not mine. But what I've been given, I've been given for the purpose of managing well. And they did. man with five talents took the five and gained five more. The man with two talents took the two and gain two more. Why? Because they got this. I don't own these things. I'm managing them for my Master. They are His. Think about what you've been entrusted. What took place in this parable has taken place in your life and in mine. We've been entrusted with a great deal. The Lord, our Master, has literally given over to us some things that we might manage well. One of the things that He's given you is your life. He's, he's, he's given you the blessing of time. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Paul said about time, he said, I'm seeking to redeem the time, to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And he lived with the end in mind. He he focused on each day, living with the end in mind, realizing that time 
And this day is such a precious gift, and it is a gift, but it's a gift given to us by the Lord Himself. I've heard this phrase in my life, we're living on borrowed time. Well, who, did, who gave it to you? If, it, if it's borrowed time, who gave it to you? The Lord gave you. He saw that you would live in this time, in this place, for the purpose of serving Him. He's entrusted to you your earthly life for you to manage your time well. Here's something else the Lord's handed to you and to me. He's given us material resources. We are blessed. We are blessed in this country. Uh, if you ever doubt that you're blessed, go to another country and, and spend some time in another country and see how people in other countries live and see what we have in abundance here that we often take for granted. We are a blessed people. God has entrusted to us material resources. He's literally handed over what you have. He's handed it over to you for the purpose of managing well. If you're a Christian, here's something else that God has entrusted to you. He has entrusted to you spiritual gifts. As a believer in Christ, He's gifted you by His grace with a God-given ability to serve Him in a unique capacity. And in serving Him in that capacity, you fulfill your part in the body of Christ. He's given you those gifts. He's given you abilities also. He's given you a passion for some things. And He asks you to manage those things well. A servant of Jesus Christ recognizes, I don't own anything, but I manage everything, and God has entrusted to me a great deal. Third thing, if we're going to live with the end in mind, we must faithfully utilize our God-given resources to glorify God. And here's the truth that we need to grasp. I am blessed to be a blessing. Let's say that together. I am blessed to be a blessing. That was the expectation of all of the servants. They were not just given these talents so that they could be blessed. They were given these talents to manage those talents well and thus in turn be a blessing because they had practiced good stewardship, and wise management of what had been entrusted to them. We are in uh, one of my favorite times of the year. I, I love fall. I love the Thanksgiving season. I'm glad that we have a, a time in the year where we're focused more on the need to be thankful. The truth of the matter is, though, this is not a seasonal thing for those of us who are Christians, is it? Thankfulness is something we're called to do, it's something that we're called to express on a daily basis, just to be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But we're called to be thankful. Often when we approach this season, we often say this, and rightly so, I I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But if we only stop there with that statement, I'm blessed, we fail to realize why we're blessed. God calls us to take the blessings He's entrusted to us 
and be a blessing by glorifying Him and serving Him and serving others through the faithful use of God's resources. In this story, on the day of accounting, the three servants came back to the master. And the one with five talents said, See, uh, here are your five talents. I've gained five talents more. Listen to the response of the master. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The man with two talents came before the master. He holds out his two talents and says, See, here are your two talents. I have gained two talents more. Listen to the response of his master. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What, what word do we hear repeated through these two commendations? What word do we hear repeated? It's the word faithful. Well done, faithful servant. You have been faithful. So as we think about this word, faithful, realize this. The Master, the Master values faithfulness. The Master is looking for faithfulness. He notices faithfulness. And the test of accountability and the test of being a wise manager of what's been entrusted to us hinges on this question, have I been faithful? Have I been faithful? And the key is this, what have I done with what God has given me? How have I utilized what God has given me? What does faithfulness look like? Here's what faithfulness looks like. I'll tell you something else we've been entrusted with. God has entrusted you as a believer. He's entrusted you with the greatest news ever told. It's the, it's the great news that we call the gospel. And the Lord has entrusted believers with this great news. And He calls us to, to share that good news with others. What does faithfulness look like when it comes to the wise use of the gospel that God has entrusted to us as believers? Faithfulness means that on a regular basis in our, in our everyday traffic pattern of life, we converse with people about the gospel and we converse with people about Jesus. And we, we talk about... You know, I'm a, I'm a UK fan. I, I love UK basketball, and I'm learning to love UK football this year a little bit more. Yesterday was hard for us. And I can talk about UK basketball and football, but God calls me to talk about Him. And He calls us all to, to transform conversations to spiritual issues and to talk with people about where they are in relationship to faith in Jesus Christ and to share the good news that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died upon a cruel cross as the payment and atonement for our sin, 
was buried in a borrowed tomb, raised up on the third day, that we might be able to be saved and have eternal life and to be recipients of His great grace. That's good news. And faithfulness means we share that good news with others. What does faithfulness look like in terms of our spiritual gifts and talents and the passion that God's instilled within us? Faithfulness means that we recognize our spiritual gifts and we begin to employ them in serving the Lord in some way through His church. And we thus fulfill our part in the body of Christ. As a consultant, you know, I'm, I, I, I read and I hear this principle a lot. 80, 80% of the ministry in a church is often done by 20% of the people. That's not a biblical, that's not a biblical uh, statistic. Here, here's the biblical plan. 100% of the people of God fulfill 100% of the work of God through the local church. And that means this, that means that every person who is a follower of Jesus, who is saved, recognizes their gifts and is involved in serving the Lord in some way. That means that we go beyond just attending places like Bloomfield Baptist Church. It means that we serve through the ministry of Bloomfield Baptist Church. If I had the opportunity to converse with each of you one-on-one -on -one and ask you this question, tell me about the area that you're serving in in the life of this church, what would be your response? God's plan is for you to faithfully utilize your gifts, and your abilities to glorify God. What does faithfulness look like when it comes to our resources? You see, I, I believe that the God who knows the very number of hairs on my head and yours right now, when I stand before Him, will be able to tell me to the penny all of the resources that have flowed through my hands throughout my life. And a God who can tell me the very hairs on my head will also be able to tell me how much of those resources I invested in kingdom work because I recognize this principle, what I have is not mine. And when I give of my tithes and offerings back to you, Lord, I'm just expressing your ownership and my allegiance to you as my master. What does faithfulness look like when it comes to our resources? Giving. Giving faithfully. Giving generously to the work of God through our local church. God's expectation is for us to be faithful. Are you living are you living in the here and now with the end in mind? And would you say today my desire is to stand before the Lord and to hear what two of these servants in this story heard. Well done, good and faithful servant. Are you living life believing and practicing this statement? I am accountable to God. Are you living and believing this statement? I am a servant of Jesus. And I, it's not about me being served, but it's about me serving Jesus and serving others. Are you living out this statement? 
I'm blessed, but I'm blessed for a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God with the resources He's entrusted to me and to do so faithfully. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess today that it's so easy for us to live life as if it doesn't matter how we live our life. We confess, Lord, that at times we have the view it's about me being served. Lord, we must confess that sometimes we feel that we're blessed because life is about us being happy. Forgive us, God. Help us, Lord, to to love You in such a way that we would give our whole allegiance to You as our Master. Help us, Lord, to live with the end in mind. Thank You for giving us this parable. Thank You for the call to be faithful and to be a servant. We confess today that apart from the Lord Jesus, who Himself was faithful, who Himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We we confess today that apart from this same Jesus, we cannot do this. We need You, Lord. We need You. And so, Lord, empower us Equip us, fill us with Your Spirit. Lord, for those who would look at this story and say, my life is more like this third servant with the one talent. Lord, what what needs to change in our life? What needs to change today through Your power and strength and help that would enable us to be on the road to living with the end in mind? Use this time to work in us, to lead and call us to spiritual commitments that would result in changes that would help us be faithful. We pray in the name of Jesus and for His sake we pray. Amen.